Welcome to Recommissioned, a Battlestar Galactica podcast by LSG Media. Each week, we sit down to watch an episode of Battlestar Galactica. Now, I've seen them all, but my good pal Matt has only seen up to the one we are covering. And on this week's episode, we bring you Season 4, Episode 18, Islanded in a Stream of Stars. Listen to me, for death is not the end. And I'm not talking about Cylon Resurrection. I'm talking about the gift of eternal life that is offered to each and every one of us. Yes. Even the most flawed amongst us. All we need is the courage to face death when it comes calling for us. Embrace it even. Only then will we truly have the ability to cross over as one amongst us here has already crossed over. One amongst us here is living proof that there is life after death. Oh, zippity doo da zippity yay. Bye, oh bye, what a miserable day. Dude, this show, this show is now in the process of destroying your soul and heart. It really is. Doesn't like, it just feel like that? As much as I did enjoy a ton about this episode, and, I, and I'm, I'm loving the intense, dark, you know, tragedy of the show and where it's heading, and I, I have no idea how it's going to conclude still, even though we're three episodes out. There, I'm not gonna lie. On my second watch, there was still a part of me of like, is this entertainment? <laughs> like, it's just everyone's fucking miserable. Little girls are screaming and being tortured by old men, robots, and Oof. other women are watching them and weeping. And Adama's <laughs> breaking down over his fucking paint job. Rosalind's dying and high as fuck. It's a mess. <laughs> it's I was gonna mess. die of cancer and then I got high. Sorry. No, uh, dude. It's a fucking bummer. <laughs> We're back to, is this just the bummer show now? It's the bummer show, but there's only three left. And <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, I cried when I saw the finale. Wait, but, you saw uh, what? When I watched the finale originally. and The finale, okay. Yeah. Holy shit. And Jessica really did. She was like a fucking mess. But it's also like, I I don't know. I like it. I like, I, I like, I, I'm starting to remember where all this is going, which is nice. Um, and yes, obviously the show has always kind of been a bummer, but I think there's going to be some stuff that satisfy you. So hang in there because guess what, bro? You only got three episodes left and it's It's all one arc. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, which we should just get out of the way up front for housekeeping purposes. There will actually be no BSG episode next week, and then we're coming back, and we're going to do one episode per part of Daybreak 1, 2, and 3. Indeed. All right. So just as a heads up, if you're listening to this now, note to savor it, because there will be a week off before we tackle the very end of it. Um, I want to go back and watch a few scenes. I want to do some reading. I'm going to take the week to do that before we dive back into Daybreak 1, 2, and 3. So yeah, you have yeah. been told, uh, which brings us to Islanded in a Stream of Stars. Finally, we, uh, in, in a sense, we're returning to the miniseries and uh, letting Battlestar be decommissioned. It's finally happening. Yeah, man. It's, it's what a crazy idea. I mean, this is, um, so there's so there's characters to check in. This, uh, I'm going to be frank. I don't know how much meat there is on the bone here for all of this because so much of this stuff we've discussed before with the exception of we have to get back to Boomer. So I'm glad I'm glad Boomer's back in again because we had a lot of question marks about her. So we'll go ahead and we'll make sure to get to her before class is out. We <laughs> should probably talk a little bit about Kara a little bit more. Um, I have a, uh, I am not taking somebody's side or seeing any nuance in something for a change. I'm sure that'll make certain listeners very happy who happen to dislike certain characters. Um, oh, okay. there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of good stuff with Boomer, uh, and Kara. And of course with Bill and Ty, uh, the Bill and Ty moment's really good. And then there's some question marks around Anders and, and stuff like that. So, 
but but I don't think there's a ton here. There's a couple of questions that were answered um, just because of memory and the way we recorded this show. We do know, as Starbuck confirms, that the song is, in fact, the song that is responsible for many things, switching on the five, leading them to Earth, finding the nebula, all that shit, right, as she was saying. And uh, I love Adama's sort of flippant, like, I've had it up to here. Dude. With fucking I'm, prophecies. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. In that moment, for me at least, I don't know. I can't speak for the audience as a, as a concept here. But for me, I'm not going to lie. And, I'm, and this is not a slight on the show, but it's just I feel like it reflects my own feelings about their situation at this point in the series. I'm kind of, I'm with Adama. Like, I'm feeling what he's feeling. I'm like, fuck all your prophecies. Like, totally. It is such a tangled web of mess and and what seems like a direction that doesn't go to anywhere conclusive yet. And at this point in the show, as the ship is creaking and groaning and falling apart, it's last I'm like, breaths. yeah, I'm, I'm with Adama in this moment. I'm sipping whiskey like, fuck all this crap. <laughs> what are you guys even talking about anymore? Earth's and, gone. We're just floating through space in a, a leaking ship. I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because I feel like this is a good discussion point that I did not anticipate. And it's, the problem with prophecy, the problem with religious interpretation, the problem with writings being passed down from generation to generation and touched by man, who, as we know, is far from infallible and especially powerful men. And, uh, and without making a comment on society and the history of religion on a whole, this is a problem. And, and I like your frustration with it because I think it really makes sense. And it's always... There's always kernels of truth or coincidence in all of these things that give them just enough hope when they're at their most desperate. But when fatigue overrides their desperation, they start thinking a little clearer. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but 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 Adama is tired of it. Right. And now he's just going, no, I'm done. Tired. She's dying. Earth was a joke. What's the point? The prophecies clearly aren't accurate, completely accurate. You know, we, we did find some stuff. There's some stuff you can't deny. And in this show, it's a lot more overt. There's a lot more, I guess you could say, proof than you would say, you know, historically as religion goes, as far as the world, the globe, as it were, global religion. But um, it, does, um, it does make for an interesting idea. Just as so much of your show, your three episodes left, Three episodes left, Adam is finally saying, I've kind of had it up to here, but we've seen him start by going, this is nonsense. This is a myth. And then going, wait a minute, there's probably something here. And I think he's always made his decisions based off of the results in front of him, right? Mm, Right, right. And I think the results in front of him are showing him nothing good. Right. And and, uh, yet again, they're asking for resources, precious, rare resources to go look for something else to confirm a possible, a possible. That, that's, a, that's what I want to stress enough right. of like, you know, we were like three, two, three episodes talking about like, well, is Hera irrelevant? Well, there's about to be another pure Cylon, you know, birth that had also never happened before. It's, it, this is a new thing. Like, what does this even mean? Yep. And you know, that, that, you know, Saul and Six's baby died. But at the same time, catapulting Hera you, back into the stratosphere of relevancy. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's important again. But like, how much more are you going to sacrifice for this possibility, this notion, which is really all it is? Because even the final five have no idea what she could mean other than some possible path forward of reproduction that ends the war because, you know, we got to fucking reproduce. We can't be killing each other. Like, And that's still all just like a big kind of cloudy notion. of Like, well, how is this one particular example of that any guarantee of anything larger? Right. Absolutely. And it, and it does, it gets very difficult. when With Rosalind in the condition she's in, which is rapidly deteriorating. Dude, per, per episode, she is, I mean, gone wicked downhill. I mean, I guess I should have seen it coming. I mean, she collapses at the end of the prior episode. That's right. And now she is she is full-time, full-time in sickbay. Uh, with with Visions is. of Hera, which we didn't really discuss last week, an interesting... True. You know, she's still having these visions, but she seems to be keeping them to herself now, right? Well, in this episode, she does tell Bill she's having the dreams again. Um, right. <clears throat> and she doesn't know. I thought this was interesting that in that moment when she's in sickbay and she wakes up from having the same opera house dream, she says, Bill, I'm having those dreams again. And it actually cuts to six having those dreams as well. I guess it's That's Caprica right. six. It um, is, yep. 
but she's having those dreams again as well. And I was, I was surprised that Rosalind wasn't curious about that, that she was, cause I mean, we, we saw just a few episodes ago, she confronted her in the hallways being like, are you still seeing these visions? Wait, is that Caprica six? I'm sorry. I thought because it the was. One that, no, I think the we one that runs into Gaius is. Yes, that's Caprica six for sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't remember which. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, because I, because the guys one obviously we got to talk about that. But um, yeah. continue. Well, yeah, I mean, that, all I was going to say there is that I found it interesting that that Rosalind wasn't curious about whether she was having those dreams again because she had been so right. recently. Um, and I'm like that. That also seems to play into how close we're getting to the end. That now the visions are reoccurring, um, and what could that mean? Especially now that Hera is not there, that she's been taken away that's when the visions are, are happening again. Don't know what any of it means. Like, again, like I feel at this point in the show, we're so close to the end and I'm still like, damn, do I not, I, I hardly even have, I feel like I have less predictions now at the end of the show than I did back in season one. Yeah. Like, that, well, the opera house has always been a point of contention and confusion, right? It's basically Hera running through it and then Six and Baltar sort of grabbing her. That's always been, they've always sort of been in those, that's one thing that's been consistent but it but we haven't gotten much info on confusing. it <laughs> interesting but uh, you are right it is caprica six and sick bay okay all right there we go yep still recuperating i guess still recuperating but yeah it's um you know it she says she's having the dreams but she doesn't really she she seems to be disinterested in leading as one would imagine in this state and just sort of riding this out like yeah. she's not yeah. telling bill to take any actions other than when she knows, she said, you know, you got to let go of the ship, dude. But she's not doing any, you know, she's not saying, what's our next course? She, you know what I mean? Like, she's not doing her presidential stuff. That's kind of Lee's role now. He's sort of taken over. He's dealing with a quorum. By the way, when I observed the quorum's behavior towards Lee this week, I started to think to myself, boy, I wish Zarek and Gator were back to kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's wrong with representative democracy, Dave? <laughs> Fucking should we jump into that scene for a moment yeah please do well i mean for one uh we have the captains i I guess this is primarily the captain's quorum now like uh the the leaders of multiple different ships have been nominated to be representatives now instead of just random politicians i guess um but they're there and boy do they not hesitate after lee you know talked about the possibility of transferring essentially all of Galactica's personnel and armaments to the base star. Like that is the, that's the contingency plan at this point of they'll be transferred to the base star if it, if it needs to, to go that way. And I, I did enjoy finding out in this scene that, that Sonia, the six, who's like the, the representative of the Cylons, yes. basically saying that, no, we accepted like hearing it outright in this episode was interesting where she says, we accepted the, the military rule of Adama uh, and and th- we're going to honor that. Like we are right. going to still abide by this, by but what we've agreed to. Um, but that still doesn't slow them down at all. From like, oh well, that's a possibility that we might go over <laughs> there. Then I want the FTL dry. You give me that. You give me the coffee maker. No, no, no. We're taking this. Like I'm just so ready to strip it down. Totally all of Galactica. And they the end the concern about relying on the Cylons. You know that's not they don't like that idea. But it's boy. I mean, it's look around, man. Right. Do you guys not see the lights flickering and hear the metal tearing like 15 ton pieces of paper? And they they were so annoying when they just started going into like, here's what we're going to get from the ship. I'm like, wait a minute. What? (laughs) First of all, you've been in that sea for exactly six seconds. So (laughs) cool your fucking jets about what you're going to steal from me. It's like you know that's what happens. That's, that, that's the politician magic of you're like you, you're campaigning and they're like I'm running for the people, and the second they like step across the threshold into the room, they're like I want it for me. I want it for <laughs> yes, me. All yes, for me. Yes, yes. I come to represent my shit. Mine, 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 mine. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. literally grabbing handfuls of pins off the table. Mine, mine. <laughs> Somebody leaves their clipboard unattended. Mine. <laughs> they rake it across like a fucking dealer at a craps table. He's <laughs> raking everyone's shit to him. Hiding in the corners of the room like a fucking spider monkey. Just, yeah, 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 dude, totally. <laughs> All of them. With their, little, with their little, like, raccoon or squirrel hands, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. 
<laughs> and you know, to their credit, I give the you know, especially the one guy brings up, he's like, our air quality's been horrible. It's not like he's like, oh, I want the best technology. I want the you know the things that we that we would enjoy the most. He's like, no, our air quality's actually been really bad. Like, we need something to scrub that. Can we borrow? Can we take it? Yeah, that's the, What's the name of that ship? They because that's the ship that was involved in the operations of Hitekon or something. I don't remember the name of it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they, I think you're right. Yeah, that sounds right. But um. Yeah, they were all just they know. But that that blonde woman is is uh, is Mike Hogan's real wife. She was uh, she was the judge in the Baltar case, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. And I'm pretty okay, sure that's the same right. woman, right? Yeah, no, she looked really familiar to me, and I was like, I think she was the the judge. I remember her being in the in the the middle of the table. Ellen and Six is an upgrade, though. That's true. Ellen's an upgrade in Six. Yowza! But um, Lee. But speaking of our good man, Ty, God bless him. Him going home, looking for the bottle, breaking it, fighting with Ellen. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> we always worried about one day if we ever discover that we're actually ancient beings who've been buried for thousands of years and have lived across the eons and watched civilizations rise and fall, that will we still fall back to our old ways of yelling at each other about underwear on the floor? Ah, we sure will. Yeah. Hey, we'll real quick, it. 2,000 years old, but when you stick me in a pink-bellied, fucking soft-boned monkey's body, I'm going to look under the couch for booze. Okay. <laughs> it's happening. I you got to see, this is, see, I'm starting to come around on Cavill, okay? He's, <laughs> like, if you, if you put the greatness of a 2,000-year-old ancient being inside of what you're trying to replicate, you know, if you're trying to put, if you're trying to replicate humans, you're going to be more successful than you intend to be, <laughs> and you're going to be just as shitty. So... <laughs> Definitely don't do that. Robots, next time, make your brain like a ship. Become like be, be become a living like vessel or something. I don't know, because this is just not working. I'm telling you, they just gotta become the Lex Dragonfly. That's, Dude, that's the there you goal. go. There you go. A little sexy Lex. I remember that show. It's <laughs> a good show. We're not so, covering it. Don't ask. <laughs> that's my guy. Quick on the jar. <laughs> Bing! It's a great Sh- show. I love it. You, not covering it. Not you sh- covering it. You not shot the be a 10 gallon hat right off of that varmint called the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be your huckleberry. <laughs> listeners pulling out their guns to be like, cover this. And you're just like, pew, pew, pew. you fan the hammer and fucking shoot all the guns out of their hand. <laughs> Dude, I'm fanning it not only from the hip, but in the holster. I just tilted the holster, told them. <laughs> not happening. It's a good show. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe on a bonus episode, an episode or two. I don't know. Oh, shit. Fuck. No. As soon but as no, somebody's I mean, like, cover the expanse, I'm like, I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> I was just fooling. No, you started a game. We never finished. <laughs> he's just kidding. He's just drunk. He's just, he's just drunk. Don't mind him. He's just drunk. Well, bye. Anyway. <laughs> fuck. Oh, I like Christ. how we turned listener requests into a gunfight in a Western. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> if you're oh, not shit. if you're not on the facebook page which most of you probably aren't uh we were just joking about how everyone's got our whole schedule lined up for us for the rest of our lives after we're done with bsg which is very flattering <laughs> <laughs> buffy the vampire slayer the entire series the expanse the entire series I'm not saying they're not good shows guys but damn that's a lot of hours yeah side projects that's where we're headed if you must know um, but anyway, dude, no, I I do really love this scene of of Saul, it's Saul awesome. and Ellen fighting here because what my favorite line from Saul in the scene is where he's like two thousand years, like you keep saying that, and he's like that's just a number. Yes, that means, dude, that means nothing to me. And I was I on my first watch, dude, I fucking clapped. I was like, yes, fucking thank you, like yes, because it is for him. Like that, that's one of the things that because he doesn't me have about the memory. Ellen. Like he has no memory, and like it drives me crazy that Ellen in the scene who is the soul uh, of the the soul member of the final five whose full memories have been restored she remembers yes. being ellen on the on the galactica and being married to saul for the past 30 years and she remembers being ellen for the past 2000 years Correct. she has it all she has the full picture of it and i'm like <clears throat> you keep forgetting that you're the only one who has this like com- the most complete picture of your own identity right. of all of them the rest of them only know the past 30, 40, 50 years, however old they are in this in this human form. Totally. And I'm like, Saul has lived his life here on the show. And he's like, even the way he says it, he's like, you know who I care about, lady, who's my family? The people on the ship. Adama, yes. the old man. He's like, the crew, the people I fought with and bled with. Like, these are the people that I that I see as family and as my children. 
the people I, I care about. And you know, all that said, Wait, I, I want to talk think, about hit that statement because I think it's so good. It's very good. It's very good. But I, I do want to say, even though I'm like, hell yes, Saul, thank you for fucking saying it. I do kind of like Saul's miniature arc within this episode of him starting to have to care about the Cylons with a sense of, with a sense of responsibility. Um, yes. Because that, I mean, with, with, we're with at Boomer, this, right? Well, right. With, well, you're with the, the yeah. eight who died. The, the eight. Sorry, not Boomer. Daddy beep. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> Um, but tell yeah, me no, you I, love I, me, be <laughs> Jesus. Hey, you never took- hey, zippity doo da. <laughs> it's fucking show. Just another flatlining person today. Oh, nothing but death. Killing death the Cylons, killing the people. All right, I'm done. But no, I I enjoy that his his miniature arc within this episode is. Going from, you know, he's so bluntly honest with that Sharon who dies in the in the sick bay. He's like, oh, don't thank me. I've been spent most of my life trying to kill your kind. And that's it. His last words to her as she says, you know, quotes another line from all along the watchtower and dies. Mm. Um, but by the end of the episode, realizing even I don't think he fully I don't think he consciously realizes yet. But Ellen is pushing him. And I think uh, the decision that Adama makes to finally leave the ship and have to have to merge with the base star and really cozy up with the Cylons, you know, out of necessity for the first time ever. I think we're on this path of him starting to embrace that. Yeah. Even though I don't remember it, like Ellen does, I am a creator of this. Like I'm not just involved with it. I'm not a big part of it. I'm the creator of it. Right. You know, I have a hand in it's, it's, it's existence ever being, um, Amen, that's, brother. that's hefty. That's massive without remembering it. Uh, but that's the main <clears throat> thing Ellen harps on here. Even though, again, I love him saying, fuck you. <laughs> I don't remember that. Like, 2,000 years is nothing. I don't <laughs> remember those 2,000 years. And I don't think Saltai ever needed to explicitly say this. But the fact that he explicitly says it with three episodes left was very awesome to me. And it's talking about the people on the ship and how he cares for them. He's never said that. He's always that's been the hard ass. He's always been the ball breaker. He's him and a coward at each other's throats. He has always been the guy who's just being loyal to Adama with the exception of once when they were looking for Karen, putting the entire ship at risk and he got mm-hmm. relieved of duty. But uh, Sal Tai has always been like, I'm the, I'm the hard ass. I'm the XO that the, the CO he can kiss, he can kiss babies and shake hands. I'm the fucking disciplinarian. <laughs> I'm but, the one you get to hate. Yeah. Right. I run the department heads. They, they report to me and then I give my reports to the command. Like, you know, so uh, he's responsible for that shit, but hearing him explicitly say like, these are the people I care about. Like it was a great moment of vulnerability for him, even though he was mad and fighting with Ellen, it was a cool moment of vulnerability that made you go. Yeah, of course. I'm mean, like, we always, we always intuitively know what he feels, but he finally explicitly states it. Right. And it, right. And it was nice. It was nice. And, you know, I, I agree with that. And I, I actually really like the way in this scene that uh, that he delivers that line where he's talking about his loyalty to Adama. And he's like, ah, frack, as he says it. Like, he's almost annoyed. I, I interpreted it as yes. he's almost annoyed that he's even having to say it. Yes. And a little embarrassed by it. Like, like having to say all this out loud. Totally. He's not a, a touchy-feely kind of cat, you know? Right. He's not going to do a, 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 a fucking sharing workshop, okay? That's not <laughs> right. what he's going to do. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, it's good stuff out of him. And yeah, the the, the bummer stuff was was tough. But a good week from him, which of course concludes with him and him and Adama. But I, I think we'll save that probably for the last thing we discuss before we say goodbye for the night. Yeah, and for the week, well, for two weeks actually. Mm-hmm. But um, true. I'm bummed. I got to tell you. Oh. You know, but now, Gaius has done something and that is undefendable. Ooh, okay. Outing Starbuck was wrong. It is pretty fucking shitty, man. It's I'm really good. I, I she was went to scratching. him in desperation. They've yeah. They have a tiny bit of a connection. I mean, they fucked. <laughs> it's true. We seem to forget that lucky bastard. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's running through him, Gaius. But um, it it's funny because. I, I didn't remember how this went down, but I really liked her going to him, her wanting answers, her knowing he's this brilliant scientist, him looking through a microscope again felt like such vintage Gaius, right? I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. Like, to, to, 
the sh- uh, Gaius is a more compelling character for the first couple seasons than he is for towards the end. Um, because I just like, I, I like the, the sort of arrogant doctor who's brilliant, who they need, but he's kind of like not sure what's going on. He's trying to protect himself more than I like. And it's funny because I love a good cult story more than I like the, the cult story. But I do like the arc and the changes. I do like that. But right. like if you were to be, if you were to be like, oh, portray Gaius, I'm, I'm portraying Gaius as like the sharp dressed guy who sometimes puts a lab coat on and he has his studious right. glasses and his quippy remarks, not like this contemplative, I'm going to get on and do a Battlestar Galactica podcast over the fleet about angels and shit, <laughs> you know? Um, but that said, it was exciting to see him scrape the blood off to get to work on it. And then he gets the information and, you know, he's been talking about angels forever and- now he's like, oh, and then he just outs her. I just thought that that was so disrespectful. You know, yes. there's, there's, Flippant. Yeah. It, it, it seemed so careless. Like I could see him being like, here, here's where I think, and I'm not saying it's bad writing. I, I would almost see it better if it was like his, his, let's just say his congregation was falling apart because he can't prove anything. And then in a desperate plea, he betrays her trust. That seems like more of a Gaius move than flippantly just saying it because he's inspired in the moment. Do you know what I mean? Yes. You know what? And I actually think, uh, I want to jump into a listener comment real quick because I think T-Dog actually summed it up pretty perfectly on our Facebook page. Oh, cool. Uh, He said, Baltar outing Starbuck. Yeah. One, pretty fucked up. (laughs) Two, enlightening the people in an attempt to give them hope. Three, entirely selfish on his part. Four, all of the above. (laughs) And... I got to pretty much agree with you. I think it really is a weird mishmash of all of the above. I think there is, there's just a flippant disregard for, for how, what that means to her. And the fact that, you know, she, if one in the most Starbuck way possible coming, showing up where he's shaving alone and being like, fuck you fucking Baltar with your bullshit. Also, please look up answers to this. Like, like I'm, sure. I'm not going to ask you directly, but please God use your skills. Please try to, to help me understand what I am. Uh, very funny. But with her coming to to him with all of that, so flippant and shitty about just like, I'm just going to throw it out in front of everyone. Like, what the fuck? It's so shitty. But also to to number two of T-Dog's points, I think there is a part of Baltar that thought he was genuinely like, I am going to reveal something that is shocking and and strange and unexplainable and inspiring because of those things. That, that this is like something, maybe this is a true testament to to the idea that there is something beyond all this, some supernatural powers beyond humanity and beyond the Cylons that are at play in all of this. Because so far, when you think about it, Kara's position with all of this and her identity and what whatever she is that we don't even fully understand yet is arguably the most supernatural element of the show at this point. A lot of other things have been explained or or at least in a sci-fi yeah, you know, way like hooking in andrews up to fucking goo so he can talk to the broken hull like that's sci-fi right. shit that i accept right and even like the unexplainable <laughs> temple on cobalt like well now we know that it was built by the cylon race you know like we, we understand a lot more of the history of of how these things came to be that they are sure. not just like mystical pieces of a prophecy we'll never understand we at least have some idea of their origin and the real true mystery left at this point, other than what Hera could mean to the future, which is, you know, a lot more harder, harder to do, to try to understand. Sure. But the nature of Kara is something that's like, that's really beyond us. We, we, for the people on the show and for the audience, like there's no explanation for this yet. There's nothing we, there's nothing we've been, that we've been told from the show so far that we could even piece that together with. We really have no idea. She's been labeled the harbinger of death by one of the the oracle like hybrids and even Anders. And by Anders. And that's, it. Yeah. <laughs> that's all we know. And so I, I can kind of see a perspective from Baltar thinking this is so unexplainable that it almost confirms something supernatural. And I should tell people that. Okay. Shitty of you just to throw it out there because it still involves a person and you know you're going against their will. But okay. And then number three, entirely selfish on his part. Yeah, I think that's just, you know, that's old-fashioned Baltar shit of like, I will make myself relevant again. I will center this on myself by being the one who reveals it. You know, like there's, sure. that's definitely a part of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, that's a, that's a, it's a good summation by T-Dog, uh, for sure. Uh, selfish is, you know, the word selfish and someone's selfish behavior 
is always a cause of great discussion for me. Um, just because of like, what does that mean exactly? You know, but I'm not, I don't want to get into that because I don't think it's super relevant here, but it's a good summation by T-Dog for sure. Selfish meaning he's just not even considering her, I think, in this equation, which is what you just right. said. And I would agree with that too. And I think that's just, that's just brutal. That's really, you're, you're kind of, you're, you've, you've dumped so much onto her for the possibility of giving people hope without much to say about it. And it's just, it's too, yeah, without much guidance or anything you know, to elaborate on it. It's, it's very, like, well, here's it's, this, it's very careless. Yeah. Cause I mean, it really is just the revelation of this shocking, bizarre fact. And, and that's it. Like there's no yeah. conclusion to it. There's no, so often is. this show with Gaius, as far as I'm concerned, and as far as I've said, if I can recall over four seasons of podcasting about it, <laughs> is I've always said that the show has done a tremendous job of putting guys in positions and making them make decisions that most people would probably make even though they say they wouldn't, right? <laughs> yeah. Like there's a gun in your head, sign the death warrant because we're just going to probably fucking kill him anyway, you know? Like most people aren't going to eat a bullet there. They're going to sign the fucking thing, right? That's, that's right. life. Like that's, that's, we're not heroes on TV. We're people that don't want to die, right? That's, that's, that's the truth. And yes, there's a couple of people out there who might not, and that's awesome and totally cool. And there are many times where I would hope that my ethicals and honor outweigh my survival instinct, but I just don't know. And I think that's what has always made him compelling, this idea of keeping a secret because people might not understand the context of the secret. Like me having sex with a woman who, who violated my trust by stealing secrets from me and breaking into a fucking defense mainframe. It's not like I said, oh, here's the defense mainframe. Please break into it. Like he was, he got used and, and then, and then he's becomes culpable because he doesn't own up to that. And he's afraid and his fear puts him in trouble. And then he's now he's caught and now he's going to fucking lie to survive. And like, that's what I think has made him such a compelling character for so long. And that's why I feel like this would have been easier to swallow if it was just a situation where it was like the congregation's falling apart and they're starting to break up and he's losing his grip and starting to go into a tailspin of identity crisis and in a moment of weakness to, to not lose this part of his identity that he's built up, he lets the secret go to re-rally his flock. Like that seems like such a Gaius move. And if the show wanted me to believe that was the case outside of just hope as T-Dog suggested, it didn't really show me that which is why I was right. just kind of bummed by it. And I'm not saying it's bad writing and I'm not saying it's counter to what Gaius would do. I didn't watch it and go, Gaius wouldn't do that. I watched it and went, Gaius would do that, but it's too bad that, that it's, that it kind of just went down the way it did. Um, but totally, utterly believable, you know, especially the way you guys are talking about it. Um, the, the yeah. giving people hope angle, I didn't even consider it. So that's a really good point by you guys. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't excuse him in my opinion. And I'm, you know me, I'm a fucking guy's defender. I just think this was, it was unfortunate that he would, that he would, what appeared to be to me in the episode, flippantly betraying this woman's trust. That just kind of was a bummer. Right. And I'm not talking right. like, you know, he fucking cheated on six or whatever. Like that kind of bullshit. I'm talking about like, this is like, I was like, oh, guy, you fucking, you bum me out, dude. And I don't usually say that. I usually go, Ooh, this is fucking interesting like dastardly but interesting yeah. right i didn't say this is dastardly but interesting i just went ugh <laughs> that was shitty of you what a douche <laughs> yeah exactly and i think and i think my expectation with him has always been to be ooh dastardly but interesting show me more writers show me more is what i you know so that's all that that's my take on it, guys i'm just bummed by him this week so <laughs> negative 3 guys points this week and, you know, <clears throat> to toss a little bit into it, to toss a couple coins into the hat of defending Gaius, maybe it's a little bit, uh, we could chalk it up to <clears throat> to Kara's approach <laughs> to him, pretty much <laughs> shitting on him and calling him full of shit. You know, yeah, he's been yeah. getting that a lot lately. It's true. Me, it's a little bit of bitterness rising back of like, well, fuck you. Actually, the thing you brought to me does confirm some weird, unexplainable supernatural shit. So I'm going to wave it out in front of everybody. It's Even true. It's not like, like, hey, this is what I found. I'm, I'm going to tell you. Kara's about as gentle as a fucking jackhammer. So <laughs> it's true. Even her asking for help is her like slapping you across the face, basically. You know, while we're talking about guys, I want to just continue with it. And I want to get to a comment made by... Where'd she go? Where are you? 
Where are you, my lady? Now too. On um, the hunt. It's the one where she's talking about. Heller? You're talking about Heller Landau? Heller, 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 Heller. Hella. Cool name, by the way. Heller says, um, that moment where he interacts with Six and she says, I've changed, you haven't. I kept expecting her to add yet. He's in some kind of redemption arc, but his narcissism is so profound, one step forward, two or three steps back. And this is my favorite part of her comment. She says, his love for Six is his only genuine emotion, or at least the only one not driven entirely by self-preservation. That is a profound observation. It's a very good observation. Yeah. Because if there's one thing James Callis is good at, the actor, is ex- expressing emotion through Gaius. And when Six blows him, oh, that's the worst too, you know? When you see your ex and she just looks like perfect. <laughs> Their life is Carved great. out of a fucking, out of marble. Like she's perfect, right? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm kind of disheveled and crying. Uh, and she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, dude. It's long over, right? That's the fucking worst. <laughs> I live in this basement with others. Truth be told, hang out. truth be told, with the exception of like one or two of my exes, they all went downhill. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so proud. <laughs> and I'll see it, and I'll like see one in a store, and I'll hide. I'm like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'm not doing this today. I'm like, hey, yeah, hey, what's up? Nah, I'm good though. Check you later. <laughs> And then at that moment, Dean's like, thank God we're all wearing masks. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> handy. Oh, shit. Can't mask your way out of ugly, dog. <laughs> if I can smell your breath through the mask, it's not working. <laughs> get I'm in, still getting particles. Get in, fix the tooth, get a new mask. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, where was I before I on a ridiculous tangent? Oh, uh, the sick stuff. Talk to me. Yeah, dude, I this that was, I do that think, was intense. And it you know what? It's the same one from the sick bay. She's just yeah, it's 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 she looks so completely perfect after being in the hospital for a week, you wouldn't know, but <laughs> right. That's why I was so thrown off. I wanted her to look a little disheveled, but instead she looks as perfect as ever. <laughs> She's like, Oh, I have really you know, the recuperating's really taking it out on me. I've grown a beauty mark. <laughs> she, like, she, cool. She fucking gets up from the hospital bed, goes into the bathroom, and comes out like that, like some sort of superhero, like going into the phone booth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank God there was a stylist hiding in there. Her sick sweats that stink like hell and her pissy drawers just vanish, (laughs) and she comes out looking like a supermodel like she is. Too funny. (laughs) Her sick sweats are just like lavender. She's like, I'll be right back. I have to go crush the soul of my ex. (laughs) (laughs) So easily. Click, clack, click, clack with her shoes across the deck. <laughs> ah. No, I do. I really like this episode with uh, coming in with the idea of, of Galtar, Baltar really seeing head six as an angel. Mm. <clears throat> I actually really came around on that idea because I'm like, how else could he be explaining that to himself at this point? Like, sure. where is his ideology at this point? Like, where is his, where are his beliefs? I mean, he has become... By all that we can see, I mean, yes, he is still a person who always, I think, knee-jerk back to self-preservation. Uh, in truth, like I think I agree with you that not too much more than other people. I think he's just a little more calculated about it. Of um, course, because he's, 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 he's really smart, so he's typically a couple steps ahead. Right. Um, but even all, with, with all of that staying constant, he has become a genuinely religious person. Um, and with everything else we've learned about the Cylons and and the you know, the way Cylon projection works and the fact that Baltar is not a Cylon. Like, we know this now. This is pretty much confirmed. I don't, I, unless there is just a surprise that way more people are Cylons than you thought, actually, at the end, I mean, which would be horrendous bullshit. Um, he's confirmed, not a Cylon. So what can Head 6 be? And as much as that might be a big question for us, the audience, pondering all the time, of like, well, what is she? What powers does she really have? I can't imagine how much he thinks about that yeah. all the time. Um, And at this point, it makes perfect sense to me that he would start to think of her as some kind of guardian angel and just be another, you know, another like arrow in the quiver of belief that like, yes, I see, I have this protector, this person who's always there, who only I can see, who looks out for me, understands the future sometimes and understands my place in the universe. I believe in angels and I think she's one of them. Yeah. That makes sense to me. (laughs) Yeah. 
Because I mean, what what else? What there's been so much in Baltar's arc, but I think a big part of it is the dogmatically, harshly atheist scientist slowly becoming this true believer who's got a megaphone to his mouth trying to get everybody else to believe. Yeah, um, this guy goes from from pragmatic scientists, pragmatic atheist scientists to cult leader. I mean, <laughs> religious cult leader. It's 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 a remarkable arc. It's hard to write that and. You know, the guardian angel bit, I love the idea of that because I almost feel like she, we, we've seen her explicitly like save him and help him at times. The Olympic carrier stuff, the stuff with the hand, the hand of God, the finger just pointing the exact location of the fucking, you know, we've seen these influences from them and Bailed we've held him out. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. The Cylon detector, the, all of the advice she's giving him over time, which is so fascinating to think about because so much of that, I remember you saying, you you used to say like, this is some sort of Cylon plot regarding him. And as we've seen, he has become utterly devoid of a Cylon plot. Yeah. Right? It's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. I mean, think about the shit this guy has done. (laughs) He was a scientist, the most brilliant one on TV, a fucking celebrity, banging supermodels, but then he inadvertently causes the destruction of humanity by being careless with his security around somebody he was fucking. Next thing you know, he becomes this renegade scientist. That just sounds cool. In a fleet of people trying to survive. And he's playing both sides because he's not part of the fleet. So he's an outsider. He's not a part of the Cylon regime. So he's an outsider. So he's trying to survive. This guy ends up a fucking vice president, president, president of an occupation. He's out, comes back, uh, is almost killed. We don't know what he is. Becomes a fucking cult leader. Like what a what a what a. If you hand that to an actor, they go, God, yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right? So much to chew there. So much to do. That's that's what I mean. It's that's why it's that's why I just his presence in the show makes the show so much better to me. He just yeah. let me. He just let me down tonight. But no, uh, you do have good points and good coins of defense as you coin them uh, for him. They are legitimate. <laughs> a little embittered. A little bit. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where, should we, where should we move to from here? Uh, my mood right now is so boomer. <laughs> so boomer. Boomer mood. Um, did you really feel for Hilo asking to take that fucking raptor? That was tough. Yeah, that was uh, He's that was just brutal. trying to do a be the fucking father, man. Like he's trying. And to think, you know, the only other scene we got with with Hilo in this episode Ugh. is him with fucking Athena, where she literally won't speak to him. And he's like, just you hate me, don't you? Just well, say, it's just not, say you hate me. Yeah, he's being he I he I understand him trying to take on that burden and putting himself up on the cross and she'll get over you fucking this other lady, especially since you didn't know. It wasn't, you know. But it's the kid thing, man. That's rough. Yeah. Give her a minute. Give her a minute. It's not about you, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Fair. That's actually very good. (laughs) This isn't, uh, this is not your thing right now. Yeah. Like, support Uh, me, but let's not, I can't be worried about your feelings right at this particular minute. I know that sounds terrible, but give me a minute. It's true. Absolutely true. But But it's a a strong pleading case. Uh, good Good acting. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And even his honesty when he's like, just, he really comes out with it when he's like, just give me the chance to do something. Fucking it. Like, it's not really even, like, deep down he knows, like, I'm going to take a raptor. I'm not going to just go out there and find her. They've already sent a recon mission yeah, out. Totally. But I can't stand just sitting in our, you know, our quarters where our daughter's things are and her bed is and just doing nothing. We're just sitting yeah. there. And yeah, I'm sure they've been relieved of duty temporarily. temporarily. Like, they are just stewing in there where she has lived with them. That's awful. Like, it's just an t- awful, horrible purgatory to be living in. And he's like, just let us go do something. Feel like we're pursuing it. Yeah, absolutely. But I, what, dude, what I also really love about this scene is it, it is also very much so Adama having to kind of talk to himself. That's what I really like about this, too, where he's saying, you know, he, he for one, reiterates, he's like, I've lost a son. You've now lost a daughter. You have to do to deal with that. You just have to like learn to live with this. Basically, that's tough. But he's also, I think, really having having this moment of having to look Hilo in the eyes and saying, "Let it go. There's nothing you can do. It is beyond you. 
you're just gonna have to let it go. And he needs to do the same thing with the ship. Yes. Like that's where Adama's at right now. Yes. Um, and he has the wherewithal to be able to, you know, look Hilo in the eyes and say that. Because when you think about it, like obviously uh, your connection to the ship, like Adama's connection to the ship is nowhere near the the personal intimate level of like a parent and their child. Right. But it's interesting that Adama has coped with the loss of a child. Like he has been yes. through that pain and he's been out the other side of it. And now he's having to to look Hilo in the face and tell him that you're going to have to go down that path too. And you're going to have to come out the other side of this and you can. And yet he's having to do the same with himself of, I am not on the other side of this with the ship. I am, I'm still so connected, so attached. Uh, and that also has a lot to do with Rosalind. But I like this moment, man, of him having the strength to be that blunt and that honest with Hilo here and still have a, you know, a sympathetic hand for him. He's not mean, but he has to essentially give this message to himself. Right. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. And well done. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's tough. It's, it's, um, it, it's funny, the idea of the loss of a ship. I guess we can just pivot into this and maybe wrap with Bummer since we're here and we're talking about the ship. Obviously, when uh, when Adama goes all big Billy Picasso on the wall, and he has his moment where he's really upset, and in that moment, he's doing what he he's having his "I'm saying goodbye in my own way," getting out my frustration and anger, the futility I feel, the helplessness I'm sure he feels, which is a terrible way to feel for anybody, let alone a man in command of the lives of many others. Helplessness is not how you ever want to feel. <clears throat> but Adama, it, it's. I think it's hard to sometimes go, oh, it's a ship, it's just a ship. Or easy to say, it's it's a ship, it's just a ship. But it's not. It's like it's so much more than that. It represents a lot. I think it represents right. sort of the end of the colonial like military. It represents the last bastion of spirit. What is it? Spirit decor or whatever. Esprit decor. Esprit yeah. decor. <laughs> there's no. There's no fucking. It's. It represents home. It represents safety and defense of not just one child, but all of the children in the fleet. And it's hard to let that go, man. Like that is such a monumental, vulnerable thing that you can't control. It's really challenging. Uh, It's so hard to imagine that, that you're sitting in a place that you've called home that has kept you safe, that has defended you, that has taken you across the fucking galaxy, that's kept you uh, a step of the head of the Cylons for the most part. <clears throat> and now what? Now where are you going to go? How is that going to work? How are you going to make that work? It's not like, you know, it's not like you're getting transferred to a new ship in a time of peace and everything's right. hunky fucking dory. There's so many mitigating, stressful, unknown factors here. You know, it's, it'd be like saying, okay, I have to, I have to leave my home, but I don't just have to leave my home. I have to kind of just walk away from it and then burn it. And then, the real estate market doesn't exist, and I don't even know if there are any houses left. <laughs> so here we try it. Here we go. Like fuck, right. man. It, it's what a what a hard proposition to be in. It's not. It's it's so it's it's too callous and casual to say it's just a ship. It's not. It what? What are you talking about? But it represents many many things. Yeah, and you know, and I think this also connects with uh, Marcus. Marcus Ray's asked a question that I want to bring up here. He said, what do you guys feel is the significance of Adama removing his admiral pins? Um, and I think, I think I it kind the, of I goes in line with answer. Yeah. No, I think it goes in line with that because I, yeah. you know, if, the, if this had happened, you know, you just take it like the military in our world right now, like what would the significance of a person removing their insignias be? It would be, it would be signifying their removal of themselves from the military. Correct. Like, I am no longer a part of this. Yes. Whereas it now is, it's almost like this is now the disbanding of the entire military and what it used to be. Like Correct. that's just, it's gone now as an institution. It's gone. Like the, the, the Galactica is the last representation of the human colonial military. Um, and he understands that. It's not just me relinquishing command. It's not just me giving up my ship. It's me disbanding for all of time what this military was and what my position within it was, all of it. That's so, it's so big. hundred percent. Yeah, it's huge. And then I'm, I'm in line with that. It's, he is recognizing the end of an era. Right. And, right. and so much of that is his identity and how it's tied into the military, which is directly tied to Galactica because without it, it's going to be tough to have one. 
it's this, you know, continuous source of strength and, and refueling and everything else. And what a touching moment between him and Ty. Ty just doesn't want to believe it at first, but he knows deep down it's the right move. And it's just such a great scene between these guys. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I really like how, how Ty doesn't fight him too hard on that. Or he nope. has that nope. one moment of being like, Azurexo, I, I can't let you do that. And he's like, but you know uh, what? How good is Michael Hogan here? Because he's not convincing. Exactly. Like what exactly. an actor. Like this guy, he, you know, knowing the fate of the Galactica on this watch, obviously, <clears throat> them knowing the decision they have to make, obviously, when you watch it again, <clears throat> watching him do it is, it, it's just good acting. You can tell he's, he's just, he's just a fucking good guy. He, yeah. it's, it's, he's doing what he thinks he has to do here, even though he knows deep down, like, no, he's right. Yeah, it's. I There's think not enough it's, conviction there. Yeah, right. I think it's an emotional response and not a. He, Bill doesn't really see this clearly, does he? Response like he did with Kara, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. And when man, when Bill, it's just a touching moment when he says, "I can't blame you for being the way you are. One of the finest officers you've ever had. You're an exceptional officer." I mean, what a what a again, two two amazing moments of two men really just expressing themselves in ways that's not always common. Obviously, Ty's talking about his responsibility to the people on this ship and that he cares for them. And Bill explicitly telling Ty he's a great officer. And he is. Ty's the fucking best, man. He has stood by him through it all. That's for fucking sure. He fucking took the fight to the silence on New Caprica. That's for sure. <laughs> Lost a fucking eye for it. <laughs> and a wife. Oh, wait, she's back. <laughs> Whoops. So, um, yeah, it's uh, clank, cl- clickety-clank on their glasses, and uh, they just suck down that whiskey. It's just, just a great moment. I believe that's the closeout of the episode. It is. The final shot. And, it, dude, I, I love how quiet it is. Like, it's yeah. not this big dramatic moment of, like, we have to abandon the, the Galactica. It's falling apart, or it's been attacked, or the, the damage has gotten so bad. We're now in another rushing emergency situation to get everybody out. Like, no, it's just done. And and also, it really reflects Adama's respect for the ship here. He says it where he's like, I want to send her off in style. Like, I don't want this. I don't want us to have to scramble away from this ship as it's going down in flames. Like, let's let's be able to actually get our people off of here safely, yep. remove the things we need from it safely, and kind of give it a, a procession in some sense. Give it some sort of ceremony or ritual, which is something they don't get to do very often in here. And we didn't even really even talk about the the funeral. Like, that's kind of a a middle part of this episode that even the Cylons and the humans are together in mourning the dead and making, making a ritual out of this loss. Yes. Uh, which is in, in this desperate world where they're on the run so much, like you really start to lose time for, for that, like ceremonies and rituals, mm-hmm. things that are to, to, to demarcate like time and memory. Like we, this is important and meaningful to us. It doesn't have any pragmatic use outside of this, but we're going to stop what we're doing and mark this time and just have a reflection right exactly and yeah. think about it and and you can tell adama wants to be able to do that for the galactica instead of you know slamming it into new caprica and almost blasting it to pieces again absolutely um so that's kind of the major stuff let's tie up a couple of loose ends because we got to talk about boomer and uh let's just let's just tie up the anders loose end right yeah so anders is clearly i like how starbuck was gonna blast him damn <laughs> right <laughs> Just going to ice him. Um, touching moment of her putting her picture up in the fucking memory place. And then Lee kind of being like, you calls her Kara Thrace. It really is touching. Right, right. Meaning he or doesn't really care. Like, it's almost like, it, it's, it reminds me almost like of a more overt thing that we're seeing out of Bill Adama, which is like, I've had it up to here kind of shit. It's almost right. like him saying, I don't give a fuck what you are because you're standing before me in your Kara Thrace because everyone, that's the struggle for Kara is everyone's come to this conclusion like the final five are just the final five, here they are. Like deal with it because Salt High the XO. So what do you want to tell you? And I think it goes a long way in helping her feel not so isolated when he calls her Kara Thrace because he's not treating her any differently. And that, that's just a good moment. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I love him literally saying, I, I just don't, I don't care. Like it isn't exactly. Matter. Um, and that to me is so much more realistic than, than people on the ship being unsettled by her because it's like, in truth, like you'd have to think about so much to even remember that. Like yeah. you see her walking by and you, you know, it's not like people saw her die. Lee's the only one who saw her ship explode. Sure. 
It's like, but people are still treating her like she's this weird thing, this entity. And that's like, it's kind of bullshit. Especially after the fucking whole thing right at the end of the ceremony. Because this is coming on the heels of that. That's true. Baltar's big display. Yep. Right, right. But him just pointing out like, you're here. It doesn't matter. Like, how would it be any different if you hadn't exploded? Like, you're still you. I'm still talking to you. You remember me. You remember us. Yeah. What's changed? Exactly. But she still feels dead in the world. I mean, how, can, placing, how could she not? Placing it on the wall. Yeah. How could she not? Um, so I think we wrap with some boomer talk because I think we've confirmed a few things this week. First of all, Grace Park is great this week. Um, yeah. She's doing so good. And let me tell you, we weren't sure about her motivations, if she was purely manipulating Chief or not. And we get pretty explicit indications as she sort of openly confesses to Hera that this was a place for a man I loved. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Which this, I, I think this is an important, I think this is an important revelation coming off of how brutal we felt she behaved last week. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and especially just how torn up she is over actually handing off Hera. Um, because she still admits, even as she's yep. projecting into the house and showing it to Hera, she's saying, this is, this was going to be the room where my daughter would have lived. Like, yes. This is it. Like, and she still preserves this projection to, to revisit, to have, to have this little piece of it, um, and allows Hera in there. And yeah, when she hands her off to Cavill <clears throat> with Cavill's only react, like I love <laughs> the way he reacts to seeing Hera. It's not like, Oh, you know, here's the, the scion of our hope. And this yeah. is what will keep us going. Like he's, there's no, he's just like, ah, I, I wish I could see Ellen's face knowing how we played her in that. Right. Ha <laughs> high five. Sorry. I'm gonna take this kid and go fucking torture he's a, her. He, he, he is a savage. He's a savage. He's a savage. He's so petty. So fucking awesome. Mean. Awesome set design and some of this stuff. So got that some of that late day money. The, the fly <laughs> through was cool. Uh, him greeting her uh, coming off looked cool. Like the backgrounds that each of them had in the shots, the red background behind them looked cool. Oh yeah, I mean that that Cylon base looks really fucking it's cool. Badass. The, just, the gooey walls, mm-hmm. the super villain doors. I mean, Cavill rocking that pinstripe power. <laughs> But no, I mean, it's really, for me, this just kind of confirms that no matter what she does, this boomer cannot toss away all of her humanity. Correct. It's there. Like, it's there. Like, I think she comes- In force. Absolutely. And and I think it comes back, she comes back to Cavill because he is the only thing that gives her purpose at this point. Like, an actual real purpose and a place in the world and things to do and and also just belief in her. Like, nobody else is going to take her side at this point. A place in the world, I think, is is probably the best of those points because she has, Boomer has no home. Right. No. Boomer, what's Boomer going to do? Observe the life, like, before Callie's death, what was she going to do? Watch the chief and watch Hilo and watch these people have lives with, (laughs) you know, like... How how do you watch Athena if you're a boomer? Like, how do you do that? How do you live that way? How do you walk around a place where everyone's glaring at you for almost killing Adama? And, <laughs> right. It's what just, possibly do? what could you, how could you possibly exist on the Galactica? That's, that's really hard. Right. And Hera is, you know, is, she's really just this reminder of the <laughs> life she could have lived, the things yeah. she could have had. Like, yep. you could have had a, a daughter who loved you with a person of a man who loved you and a, a normal life to, you know, whatever degree you can have at this point. But that's it's just, such a tragic just, tale of irony, too, because because he's a Cylon. Yeah, exactly. And there was such a huge contention for him. Obviously, shooting Adamo was one major contention. But, um, but yeah, it's tough. Ah, it's brutal, man. But, but, no, it's, but, I, but, but I think... I think this was very intelligently done by the showrunners to make a decision to show her grappling with her humanity as she hands Hera to Cavill. I think it does a lot for to round out her character because, like I said, we're coming off of someone who made a decision to defile Hilo and his wife. So it's important <laughs> that we see the complications of this. And this is the stuff I can wrap my head around. Like this, this is what I like. This is like, compare this to what I still believe is the flippancy of Baltar betraying Kara first, you know, so it's it just, it, the nuance is very powerful here. Yeah. And it's yeah. just well acted by Grace Park. I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah. Dude, it's, she, 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 we, we really feel for her here. At least I do. <laughs> Weeping adds two different characters for two very different reasons. Indeed. Uh, some list, any more listener comments we want to get to? Ooh, let us see. Um, 
What do you, you know, guys? I want to read the rest yeah, of you, uh, did you, the rest of T Dogs. Yep, and then we got Marcus. I read his question at the top of it, uh, but he and, goes on to say, "Hearing the groans and strains of creaking hull plates <laughs> on the Galactica throughout the episode, lurking in the background, eerily similar to the creaking sounds of an old wooden ship set out to sea, yeah. as well as the sounds of the literal tearing of her structural foundations, serve to heighten an overall feeling of impending doom, which ultimately leads to the decision that Adama is forced to face, abandoning ship." That hit that in his conversation with Roslyn. Yep. Hilo petitioning Adama to search for Hero Hera was gut wrenching to watch. If Oof. I was in his shoes, I probably would have stolen a raptor, but not my man Hilo. And this is what makes him a great officer and a sympathetic character. And Indeed. Starbucks back to being awesome. Yeah, Starbucks rules. Um ah, so good. You know, his description of the groaning ship, you have to see Master and Commander if you haven't. Dude. God, the sound design in that movie is phen- phenomenal. So good. So good. Dude, we didn't even talk about it. I just realized that reminded me the opening sequence of the actual hull tearing open and 61 people being sucked of out course. of course. Yep. With and, one and of the, some heroic sacrifice by Cylons, right? Yeah. The yep. one of the six models helping a human being who had been a dick to her <laughs> get out of the way as she gets sucked into oblivion. It's funny. This, this episode is just such a revolution, a uh, revolution, a revelation of what we think we know we don't know. You know, like. I don't care, Kara, and I'm going to rescue a human even though I'm a Cylon, and we're going to abandon ship. Oh, and Saul loves people. Oh, and, you know, like... (laughs) (laughs) It's true. So, um, Michael, um, Marcus Reyes says, what do you guys feel as the Saddam removing his admiral pins we discussed? Did we go through this whole one? Not the whole one, no. Okay. Question. Uh, Dom right down in the bathroom didn't work for me. We just did this few episodes ago and Ty confessed. I thought it was seen with Roslyn Sickbay. Did a far better job of communicating why she loves the ship. Yeah, that's true. I like that. I do like him. His communication with her was pretty strong. The new quorum seems like such an obvious idea that it's surprisingly they, the government, didn't come up with it much sooner. And then the mutiny that I think plays into the idea that Dean was throwing around a few episodes ago that Bill Wood should have close relationship with all the ship captains by now. Love how Apollo comes to Galactica's defense when the captains start talking about pillaging it for parts. His service to the ship still runs in his veins. Hell yeah. Yeah, because he gets <laughs> emotional about that. That's a great point, Marcus. Does. Yeah. Um, um, no, I actually wanted to say something that he reminded me, thank you, Marcus, uh, about the conversation between Rosalind and, and Bill, where she's really trying to convince him fully, like you, you need to abandon this ship. We need to move it. It's, it's become a necessity. It's not something to, you know, throughout the episode, we see Adama kind of bucking the idea. And then at times, you know, questioning it, thinking about it, but not ever coming to that point until the very end where mm-hmm. Rosalind's been at the whole time of, it's just a necessity. It's not a question anymore. Like, we're just going to have to. It's a, it's a matter of, you know, when and how. That's all that you have sure. to think about at this point. And he takes the entire episode to get to that place where she's at. But the way I think she really gets through to him is reminding him, she's like, I don't think you can stand to lose both of us at the same Oof. time. Um, what a fucking, what a, what a killer of, what a killer piece of dialogue. Absolutely. That's a fucking hammer to the kneecaps. Like that's <laughs> that's brutal. That's harsh. Um, but she's she's right. And and I the way she phrases that I think is so good because it allows Adama to kind of, you know, I, I think really and you know, we'll see by the end. I don't know, you do. Um, but I don't know if Rosalind makes it out of the series. I had said originally my my old prediction way back in probably like season one or two was that I don't think she would. I thought that she would maybe make it to seeing Earth or get close to Earth and then die as the rest of the people would go on. And now we're past that. We're past Earth and she's still alive, but she's very sick. So I don't know. In my opinion, though, I still think that her loss at this point is pretty much inevitable, just like the loss of Galactica. And by her comparing, you know, herself with the ship and the, you know, their their fates being essentially inevitable, I think she's basically saying, go ahead and take care of the one that you can handle right now sure. like you can you can stomach the loss of the ship you can prepare for it you can make plans you can get other people you know on board with helping you you know enact this big procedure to abandon galactica which is painful but it's a it's a loss that you can make ready for whereas you know making ready for the loss of Roslyn is going to be something way different um, for you sure can't ever be <laughs> At, at, at you know full comfort with that but she's like if you're gonna lose both at the same time you're really just gonna be a fucking wreck i mean you've been pounding whiskey the whole episode how much more absolutely uh benjamin pruel bp5000 of x files podcast yes. fame quick point of fact you guys were talking about love being the reason silence couldn't conceive or keep a pregnancy i think we were making fun of that idea or just teasing <laughs> 
<laughs> he said, this was something long believed to be true by the Cylons, and Hilo and Athena seemed to prove this theory to some degree with Hera, that love was the missing ingredient. Except Hilo's a man, right? <laughs> He's not a Cylon. You gotta love when you squirt. That's the key. No, but, I'm, but I think, but, but I, I don't, I might not be reading this, or I might not be, my reading comprehension might be off on, on my guy Ben's comment, but I feel like they're not proving that because, because Hilo is a, a person. He's a human being, not a Cylon. I thought, or, or, or am I, can you help unless, me out here? Yeah, unless the Cylons were under the impression that they couldn't even be impregnated by humans, like that they couldn't, they oh, couldn't okay. reproduce at all. Okay. I'm honestly, dude, honestly, I'm starting to think about them more like replicants, like replicants from right. Blade Runner 2049, where it's like the big issue is that they never thought they could you know, physically sexually reproduce, that that was just never a possibility. And then one of them Oops. confirms that they can, and now that becomes this huge issue. Right. Um, but yeah, because yeah, I think I think Ben probably is right. Um, it is fucking confusing at the end of the day how where the show and where the Cylons believe um, how much like re- reproduction is possible. Um, but I think it is still supposed to be. I think it's it is as shocking to the Cylons that a human and a Cylon model still produced a viable person. Um, I think it. that's still major, even though I think it was almost taken as a given that two Cylon models couldn't reproduce, that the sexual reproduction was just not a thing for them. Got it. Good point, Ben. Appreciate you. Indeed. All right. I think that wraps up this week's coverage of Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Islanded in a stream of stars, my man. My God, we are starting the first part of the three-piece e- ending. Baby. God, that's so fucking crazy. So crazy. A long time 20 years. Coming. 20 years. Long. <laughs> two decades getting here, baby. Long time <laughs> coming. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I'm excited. So we will be off for Battlestar next week as we regroup. I'm going to do some reading, get prepared for our three, uh, our three week, our final three weeks of romp. We'll be done before <laughs> summer. What a crazy thing to think about. That is weird. Crazy, right? All right, man. Ugh. Well... We are going to uh, bid you good people adieu, and we will see you in two weeks' time with the first part of Daybreak. Matthew, mm-hmm. tell these good people goodbye. Wherever you are in the Galactica, have a beautiful day. <laughs>